Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever. Um, Patreon.com backslash single simulcast. Buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Whew. Let's go. Me and Moore and, and, and Mecca, they was at that, at the point where we had left off. Like, Mecca was uh, drugging her up last time we had saw. But, you know, I'd want revenge too if I was trying to poison somebody and they told me, well, you really just poisoned your mama. So, Ugh. Chapter 23. You're a long way from Miami. Mati. Mati moved around the kitchen swiftly as he prepared a meal for his new companion. He looked at the security monitors that he had installed in each room of his immaculate home in his native land of Haiti. He had become extra cautious, some would even say paranoid, since the invasion of his home at the hands of Estes. It was the same day that fate had robbed him of his beautiful little girl. The fresh Caribbean wind tickled Matisse's neck and his paranoia kicked him full throttle, causing him to turn around with the butcher knife clasped tightly in his hand. He sliced at an imaginary enemy, and his breathing was labored as his eyes bucked wide open. He looked around in panic, but calmed himself down when he realized that there was no one else in the room. Although he loved his homeland and its majestic tropical setting, he hated being forced out of the States by the cartel. His entire organization had been dismantled. His most loyal soldiers were now casualties of a drug war that he himself had initiated. He was like a pariah on the streets of Miami, and to show his face right then would have been like committing suicide. So he didn't have a choice but to stay low. No one knew Haiti like Mati knew it, and in order to stay alive, he needed to be in his own neck of the woods. In fear of his life, he retreated to the Black Mountains. No one knew of his home there, and he was confident that he would be safe and could live without the intrusion of his adversaries. There were no neighbors. His 5,000 square foot home sat on top of a plateau that went on for miles and miles. It was 4,000 feet above the town below, 
too high for sight or sound to be captured by the townspeople. He was in complete seclusion and planned to stay there until he could rebuild his empire. He would get his revenge for the undeserving murder of his daughter. His daughter had been innocent, but she was forced to pay with her life when the Dominican mob annihilated his men. The Dominicans had taken no prisoners and felt no sympathy for no one, not only his only child. When she was murdered in cold blood, Matisse's world came crashing down around him because he knew that he only had himself to blame. If they can do this to me, beautiful princess, what do they have planned for me? His body shuddered at the thought and he knew that he didn't want to find out what cruelty lied in store for him. The only time he intended to leave his fortress was when he planned to make the trip to the market for food and supplies, and his only human contact would be that of his new queen. The woman that he knew was meant for him, so he didn't kill Breeze. He took her home and hoped to Stockholm Syndrome her. Okay. The voyeur and him watched her in the monitor as she slept, and a wicked smile crept across his face. He couldn't tear his eyes away from the monitor. Since the death of his daughter, he hadn't been the same. Something in his head, or rather his heart, was broken, and he no longer respected the social limits of right and wrong. He was no longer the composed, self-respecting man that he once was. He was now a predator, and he was staring at his prey on the monitor. His dick hardened at the sight of her. She was beautiful, and he was well aware of his growing obsession. He was supposed to kill her. That was a plan. But once their kidnapping scheme had gone wrong, he and the murder mamas decided that it was time for Breeze to go. When it was time to pull the trigger, he couldn't will himself to complete the task. He was drawn to her beauty, which was just as addictive as the cocaine he sold. So instead of killing her, he drugged her and then retreated with her, taking her across the U.S. border on a private boat. Matisse fixated and fantasized over his new island beauty. He admired her slim frame, her long flexible legs, and her naturally curly hair. He was positive that he loved her, or maybe he needed someone to love him since his daughter no longer could. But either way, he needed her and was determined to keep her. Her body curled up in a fetal position, and her hands tucked between her legs. She hadn't awakened since they made the trip across the seas. The vicious beating that the murder mamas had inflicted upon her had left her badly injured and right at death's doorstep. For six long months, Mattia had taken great care of his young princess, nursing her back to health. Now he anxiously awaited her arousal. Her body was ripe and ready to be plucked. He knew she was made just for him from the first moment he saw her. He finished squeezing the juice from the fresh oranges and placed the glass full onto the tray, then made his way downstairs to awaken his sleeping beauty. She heard the heavy thuds of footsteps as they descended the stairs. She played possum, not wanting to wake up and face her captors. She didn't know how long it had been since she had been taken. The last thing she remembered was taking blows to her head with a gun. Diamond Princess, my princess, wake up. Matisse placed a tray of food on the nightstand beside the luxury queen-sized bed. Startled, Breeze jumped up and scrambled away from him. 
Her body shook as she put as much distance as possible between herself and Mati. Her arms and legs were weak from being in bed for so long, but she was determined to get away. Her back hit the wall and she pulled her knees close to her body as she huddled on the bed. She surveyed her surroundings. There were no windows. Only a pale light bulb illuminated the room. It was far from a dungeon, however. Mattia made sure that anything she could ever need was inside the room. The plush red carpet, imported French furniture, and marble bathroom made the space look like a studio apartment. Breeze was instantly confused. She remembered being kidnapped, and she had heard the girls that had taken her say that they were going to kill her. What happened? Why am I here? Quivering and crying, she looked around frantically. Where am I? She asked. You can't keep me here. My family will come for me, she stated, her words breaking in her throat. Matisse sat on the bed and crawled over towards Breeze. He felt his manhood harden. She was so beautiful, so young, and her body so tight, and now she was his and his alone. He ran his fingers through her hair his eyes focusing on her as if he was staring at a piece of historical art. She cringed as his fingertips touched her face, and she smacked his hand away. Don't, she whispered weakly. You don't have to be afraid of me, princess. I won't hurt you. Just let me touch you, he whispered lustfully. No! Help me, please! Somebody help! Bree screamed at the top of her lungs as she fought Mati off. Mati was relentless in his pursuit. He was like a dog in heat. He just had to discover the treasure that Breeze was hiding between her legs. He didn't care that she screamed in protest. No one could hear her, and even if she did run, there was nowhere for her to go. She would never be able to navigate her way through the Black Mountains and the Noir Forest that accompanied them. He groped her and ripped at her clothes as he forced his tongue into her mouth. Breeze did the only thing she could think of and bit down as hard as she could on his tongue. Ah! Matisse screamed. He smacked Breeze across the face, causing her to hit her head against the nightstand hard enough to leave her disoriented. A river the color of crimson flowed onto the white sheets, and she felt the pressure of Matisse's weight as he climbed on top of her. I didn't mean to hurt you. I just want to love you. Stop fighting me, my princess. You belong to me now. Those were the last words she heard before her vision became blurry and her entire world went black. So, chapter's not over yet. There's still, like, more. But I just want to stop and reiterate that they still have not given any woman any sort of life in this book beyond Mia Moore. And now it seems that they are using Breeze as a vessel to lead the story into a new book or whatever it may be that she's being sexually assaulted by Mati who has fallen in love with her because that's all she is is beauty but she's 18 and he knows it's wrong and all that and this is just 
When Breeze awoke, her entire body ached, and Matee was by her bedside watching her. She could see insanity in his eyes. What does he want from me? She felt a pounding underneath her skull and reached up to find a bandage across her forehead. So you finally decided to awaken, he asked. God damn it. I tasted you while you were asleep. Me never taste a pussy as sweet as yours. Me will be with you forever. The way he said the word forever caused a shiver to travel down Breeze's spine. Forever wouldn't be very long if she had anything to do with it. She refused to live as this prisoner, even if the cell she had been confined to was a luxury one. She'd die first. At least then, I'd be with Papa and Money. Tears came to Breeze's eyes, and her hands shakily found their way to the space between her legs. It was wet, and when she examined her fingers, she noticed the blood on her fingertips. She immediately knew that Mattia had been inside of her. He had touched her, invaded her, and taken her against her will. Her once virgin pussy no longer existed, thanks to Mattia. God damn it. There's other ways of making people seem like an ultimate villain. Than forcing people to read about a sexual assault. There's literally a million different ways you can go. Fuck it. Have them kill a dog. White folks love dogs. Black folks tolerate dogs. I like dogs. They're cool. But if you want to make somebody mad, have them kill an animal. Have them kill a bunch of animals and skin them or something. Don't have to write sexual assaults as a way to make people dislike your villain. And he has... you had to say that he was insane, and that was the reason why he did this. Because before, he never did anything like this to women. Why the fuck are you doing this to me? She screamed, her hatred and fear evident in each word. My family's going to come for me, and when they find me, they're going to kill you. Mati remained calm, because he didn't entertain idle threats. You're dead to your family. You've been missing for six months. They haven't come for you yet. And they'll never come for you. Nobody know you're alive. Matisse said, a smug expression on his face. Me brought you here to make you me princess. The longer you resist me, the harder will be on you. You can scream, fight, yell all you want. No one will hear you. There are no windows for you to escape from. The doors are double bolted and chained. You're a long way from Miami. This is your new home. Welcome to Haiti. Also, so he, she was in a coma for six months after being pistol whipped. From being pistol whipped, she was in a coma for six months. The murder mamas put her in a coma for six months and he nursed her back to health for six months. Okay. Breeze's hopes began to die as Matisse's words penetrated her brain. She knew that no one would be coming for her, if what he was speaking was indeed true. She jumped up from the bed and ran up the flight of steps. Help! Please, somebody help me! She yelled. She looked back at Matisse in fear as he approached her. Her screams became frantic. Please! Tears burned her eyes, 
and her hands hit the wooden door so hard that her skin began to bleed. In her heart, she knew that it was true. She had felt the sway of the boat and heard the waves of the ocean as she was being brought over to the island. She thought that it was just a dream, a hallucination of some sort, but it was her reality. She felt like a slave and that Mati was her master, the man who killed her father and brother. Right now you fear me, but you'll grow to love me with time, Mati stated with a crazed look in his eyes. I will never let you go. Haiti is your new home. When you're ready, me will let you out of this dungeon, but not until you're ready to accept your new life here as my queen. Forget who you were, and accept who you are now. No one is coming, ever. Me will kill you before me let you go. Breeze fell to her knees and sobbed desperately at the feet of Mati. Please don't do this, she begged. I just want to go home. This is home. Breeze reverted to her childhood ways as anger began to simmer inside her heart. She began to demolish the room. This is not my home! She screamed forcefully as she threw lamps and overturned tables and chairs. This is not my home! Let me go! She broke any and everything in her path as Mati watched her without giving her a reaction. Once she ran out of energy and things to break, she collapsed on the floor and bawled in defeat. You can destroy as much as you want and scream all day and night. It won't change the fact that you're here. Nothing can change that. You belong to me. Mati walked over and removed the tray of food that he brought her. He walked past her and made her exit. Before he left, he said, You will see food when you show me you deserve to eat. The longer you deny me, the longer you will starve. When he closed the door, Breeze heard the clicking of multiple locks and all of a sudden, the entire room went black. She thought of the ones that she loved. Her mother's face flashed before her eyes. Then she saw her brothers, Carter and Mecca. Last but not least, Zaire's face appeared. Please help me, Zaire. Please don't stop looking for me, she thought as she tried to send a message from her heart, hoping that she was as connected to him as she thought she was. Even though their love was new, she hoped that it was strong enough for him to feel her presence. She needed him to believe she was alive. She needed him to get her family to comfort her. After she racked her body from exhaustion from crying, Breeze did the only thing she could do. She prayed. I fucking hated that chapter. That chapter was nothing more than fuckery and fuck shit and 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 god damn it. That whole chapter. Chapter 24. Who you praying to, bitch? I am God. <sighs> Mia Moore moaned as she drowsily opened her eyes and became aware of what was going on around her. <sighs> she tried to speak, but something muffled her sounds. She jerked against the chair that she was sitting in, but couldn't move. She shook the fuzzy haze from her mind and forced herself to become focused. Okay, Mia. Okay. Stay calm. You can get out of this, she thought. Gagged and bound to a chair, her head was pounding from the impact of the crash, and she had no idea where Mecca had taken her. The odds were against her, no doubt, and she feared for her life. She knew that she was dealing with a man whose murderous abilities matched her own. Her senses were heightened, causing her anxiety to skyrocket. She bucked against the chair quietly 
trying to keep her noise to a minimum. She didn't want Mecca to realize she was awake. She needed to level the playing field and free herself from her constraints before facing him. She tried to see through the darkness that had enveloped the room. Where the fuck am I? Her body ached all over, and she shook uncontrollably as the cold crept through her skin. She smelled the scent of weed burning somewhere in the room and realized she wasn't alone. She froze instantly. Unable to see, her other senses worked overtime to help her locate who she assumed to be Mecca. She forced the towel out of her lips with her tongue and coughed uncontrollably as the pressure eased from her choking chest. What the fuck you hiding for, you bitch motherfucker? She asked, her teeth chattering. Why the fuck am I so cold? She couldn't get control of her reflexes as her body shivered involuntarily. Talk a lot of shit for a bitch that's tied to a fucking chair, Mecca stated as he stood. He had sat silently in the dark for hours, waiting patiently for her to wake up. He was itching to kill her since she was responsible for the murder of both his mother and sister. As Mecca flipped the light switch, he appeared before Mia Moore's eyes. Her vision was blurry, and all she saw was a shadow standing in front of her. What the fuck? I can't see, she whispered, shaking her head from side to side, trying to clear her vision. That's the bleach eating at your eyes, bitch. I'm going to love killing you. I'm going to torture you slow, so get comfortable. Mia Moore's eyes fell to her thighs. She was naked. Her clothes had been stripped, and she had a lot of tiny cuts all over her body. What the fuck did you do to me? She yelled. Mecca didn't respond, but instead circled her as if he was preparing to attack. He carried a long, thick chain in his hands. It scratched the floor as he walked, making me and more skin crawl from the eerie sound. He brought the chain up and swung it with as much force as he could over Mia Moore's body, cutting her skin almost to the bone. Mia Moore cringed in agony as her eyes ran with continuous tears. She was in tremendous pain. She could see the blurry hue of blood on her legs. Mecca brought the chain down on her again, this time using more force. Ah, fuck you, she screamed. She refused to give Mecca the pleasure of crying or begging for her life. For years, she had dished out the same cruel and unusual death sentences. So if it was her time, she wasn't going to cry like a little bitch, but be a woman about her shit and go out like the killer she was. The chain whipped her again, this time hitting her bare breasts and stomach. Ah! You're not going to beg like your sister, bitch? Huh? Mecca asked through clenched teeth as he hit Mia more repeatedly, and he found pleasure in bringing so much pain to the person responsible for his sister and mother's death. Fuck you, pussy. God damn it. Faggot ass nigga. Fuck. Ah, you. Mia Moore yelled. Her mind told her to stay strong, but her body rebelled against her. Suck my dick, you dirty bitch, Mecca stated. I'm going to put your ass in the dirt just like I did your sister. Mecca had beaten Mia Moore for so long that he was out of breath and sweating profusely. He threw the chain to the ground and retrieved the bottle of ammonia from the corner. 
He knew that the liquid fire would eat through her skin like acid as soon as it doused her open wounds. He unscrewed the top and splashed the poisonous liquid all over Mia Moore's bloody body, which now resembled that of a runaway slave. Ah! Her blood-curdling scream was enough to make the average man cringe and regret, but Mecca continued his relentless assault on her without mercy. Mia Moore felt like she was burning alive. Her eyes, legs, arms, hell, even her hair hurt. She knew that she would never make it out of the basement alive. Mecca had too much to prove. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who you praying to, bitch? Mecca asked, taunting her, as he slapped the words from Mia Moore's mouth. I am God. Mia Moore could hear the insanity and hate in his voice. She knew that he wasn't going to stop beating her until there was nothing left to beat. She couldn't change that fact. This was her fate. She felt herself growing faint to continue. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The chain seared through her skin once more, but this time she didn't scream. She was past the point of pain. She was near death. She felt the walls closing in on her. She could see the shadow of the devil standing behind Mecca. She knew that she wasn't destined for heaven. She had too much blood on her hands. She had sinned beyond reproach, and the devil was waiting to snatch her soul and damn her to hell. She knew it. She embraced it. She was a bad bitch, and she was going to die like one. As Mecca's fist collided with her face one more time, she slowly turned her head towards him. She spat blood. Fuck you, Mecca. I hope you enjoy watching me die just like I enjoy watching your mother and sister die, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. Mecca grabbed the ammonia, pinched the sides of her mouth harshly, and poured the chemical down her throat and on her face. Mia Moore struggled against his grasp, desperately trying to close her eyes and mouth. It burnt her lips and nose. She saw the Grim Reaper stepping closer to her. I got something for you, bitch. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let my man handle you. Mia Moore watched as Mecca walked out the room and the devil stepped closer to her, her heart jumping with every step the devil took. His face came into view, and when it became fully visible, her eyes grew wide in shock. Fabian. For real? This nigga? This is... This better not be who kills her, I swear to God. The shadow in her peripheral vision wasn't the devil, but a part of her wished that it was. Surely death would have been better than what Fabian had in store for her. He had a score to settle. She closed her eyes to finish talking with God. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Her voice broke and tears filled her eyes. And we know that Carter's not coming to save her because he's in jail. This is some bullshit. Fabian leaned into her, his hot breath blowing against her burning skin. It's too late for prayers, bitch. You're going to die tonight, he stated with no emotion. Mia Moore couldn't believe that her past had come back to haunt her. This scary motherfucker was the same one begging for his life just months ago. Now he was standing before her getting ready to take her own. I should have cut off your fucking balls when I took your dick, motherfucker. Do what you got to do, nigga. Fuck you. 
Fabian punched Mia Moore with so much force that her jaw collapsed on the right side. Mia Moore felt the weight of her face as her jaw caved in. She cringed, absorbed the pain, recited the Lord's Prayer in her mind, and then spat teeth and blood onto the floor. She sat up straight and prepared herself for what was in store. She hoped for a quick death, but she knew that it wasn't going to happen. So she breathed deep, squared her shoulders, and forced herself to open her eyes, ignoring the agonizing pain from the chemical in her eyes. She stared Fabian directly in the eyes and smirked. This nigga ain't a killer. He'll never be like me. Fuck it. If I'm going to go out, it ain't going to be on my knees. Fuck you. That's it. That's the end of the book. I didn't like either one of those last two chapters. Like that shit. That shit was horrible. That shit was horrible. What you have right there is Mecca blaming somebody else for the mistakes that he's made that literally caused his sister's death and his mother's death. I don't know how Fabian got involved in this. How, like, because he thought Fabian was a bitch, but I guess they worked something out. I don't know. I didn't like that at all. That's an interesting way to do a cliffhanger, though. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I got the second book right here. I knew that there was a second book. The second book is called The Murder Mamas. But still... Fuck. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Patreon.com slash single simulcast. Uh, Buymeacoffee.com slash SSCast. I really just hate violence against women. With no, like, it just feels like they take pleasure in writing those, those chapters. You know what I'm saying? Like they never have tortured a dude like that. Like even with Fabian, he got fucked a lot by Robin. Like literally he got his dick sucked in the strip tease and all that kind of stuff before he got his dick cut off. Breeze got sexually assaulted that was and Mia Moore that entire last chapter was nothing but the torture of Mia Moore again if you want me to hate somebody this is how you do it but it doesn't have to be done like this there are literally other ways and like my mom used to tell me you can find other ways to say what you need to say without cussing y'all niggas can find other ways to develop a villain without resorting to sexual assault or assaulting a woman. Does Mecca never really think of on what he did, honestly? Does he never really look at himself and think, you know what, this is all on me? Never? <sighs> Thank y'all for listening. I appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is single simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.